0: Most people believe the Holy Spirit exists. But why don't we ever talk about it? We hear about the Holy Spirit, and we sing about the Holy Spirit, but do we understand who He is? The Holy Spirit is not meant to be a mystery. He is a person and not an it. The Holy Spirit isn't just a power source to tap into when we need it. It's about communion with the person. There are many aspects of the Holy Spirit. There's a baptism with the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the fruit of the Spirit. And the truth of who he is is painted throughout the Bible. The Holy Spirit is meant to be a part of our everyday lives. And we are called to live in the supernatural. I just want to say that there could not be a different vibe in here than the 9 o'clock service. Uh, You guys, you're all the ones that didn't set your alarms and uh, ended up in church at 11 o'clock, usually in the 9 a.m. My name's Austin Murray. I get the privilege of being the college pastor here. Where's my college students at? I love it. Best, best college ministry ever in the world. Hey, this is uh, Courtney Rodriguez, and she's going to... Look at that. I love it. Uh, we've been in a series about, uh, in 1 Corinthians about the spiritual gifts and about the Holy Spirit. And we've had this center verse that's been kind of keeping our center the whole entire time. And we're going to read it again this morning. Courtney's going to read it for us. So if you would stand, if you're new with us, would you stand? And we're going to read this together. So read this with Courtney. Hey, everyone. My name is Courtney, and I love Jesus. Let's read the Word of God together. 1 Corinthians 8, 5-6. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him. And one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him." This is what I believe and what I stand on by the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, let's go. <laughs> oh, this is gonna be a fun morning, y'all. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look beautiful. <laughs> All right, turn to, your, uh, turn to your other neighbor and say, you look more beautiful than the person I just told that to. <laughs> careful, careful. <laughs> oh, y'all. I've gotten like three hours of sleep in the past week and a half. And so, yeah. Holy Spirit, would you move this morning? Yeah. Man, I just want to uh, say that I, it's such an honor to be the college pastor here. I'm from Waco, grew up in China Spring. Any China Spring in Southern Hill? No. <laughs> I got one. All right. Midway. Anybody from Midway? All right, there you go. Hey. I grew up here in Waco, and so it is a dream come true to be at Antioch Community Church and be working with 18 to 25-year-olds. Couldn't be more honored. But I want to introduce you to my family, okay? Is that okay? All right. Here's a picture of my family here. Yeah, there they are. (laughs) That is my uh, beautiful wife. That is my son. He just turned four. His name is Callahan. Callahan. And uh, from like two and a half to four years old, every picture we have is tongue out with a monster truck in his hand. And uh, I just want to say about my beautiful wife, where's she at? There she is. Hey, baby. What's up, baby? I just want to say about my beautiful wife that she is extremely lucky to have me. And... uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. If you know us or if you know her, you know that I am the privileged one, that that I am so lucky to have her and could not do life without her. Man, this morning, I'm going to give you some recap on Awaken and all that God did there. But I'm also going to just do a teaching on what does it look like for us not to just receive what God has for us, but to give what God has for us. You know, so many of us, we find ourselves living an unfulfilled life because it's become about what we can get out of life and not what we can give in life, what is coming in and not what is coming out. And so the the background of what we've been talking about and what we've been walking through is in 1 Corinthians. And we've talked about the gifts of healing, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and we're going to continue walking through that. And the backdrop of 1 Corinthians is actually a church learning how to use the gifts within the church body. Learning how to do things in a way that honors God and honors each other. And this morning, what I'm going to get to talk about is how we not only use the gifts in this building, but we use the gifts out in the world to rescue the lost for the sake of the kingdom. And so the beauty is, is that God just doesn't want to do stuff in this room. God wants, to, God wants to do stuff in your workplace. And he wants to do stuff in your neighborhood. And he wants to do stuff in your family. And so I'm hoping that today you feel inspired and excited to leave this place and do all that God is calling you to do. Second Corinthians 5:17 says this: it says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old has gone and the new has come. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got a new DNA. See, whenever you got saved, it wasn't, you know, sometimes we treat salvation like an airport, right? You walk up to the the conveyor belt and you take off all your stuff. You basically end up with your undies and that's it. And you walk through and this is salvation. You come through and you feel so free on the other side. And then what do you do? You stop and you pick up all your stuff back up. But let me just tell you that when you got saved, you dropped everything that you were, everything that you used to be, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You walked through into the kingdom of God, into the dominion of light, and then you turned around and God said, I've got a new outfit for you. I've got a new ticket for you. I've got a new destination for you. I've got a new plan for your life. And in that new plan is a new DNA. Even your mind has been changed. The scriptures say that now you have the mind of Christ. And in this new DNA, it is a DNA that longs to receive from God. And it is a DNA that longs to give what God has. Not just to the people in this room, but to the people in our city. This is also a, deep, a DNA that has a deep love for the lost and a desire to see their salvation. I've done many funerals. As a young man, I, I was pastoring a church in North Austin and the congregation was average age around 40, lots of older folks. It was a beauty to be able to do that. But I did way more funerals in a period of five years than I did weddings. And some of you say, "Oh, but I'm so honored. I remember the very first funeral I did, I had multiple people over 90 come up to me and say, hey, when I die, will you do that for me? <laughs> and I thought, heck yeah, come on, let's do it, let's party. And uh, I I want my funeral to be a party. Can I have it here if it happens anytime within the next 30 years? I wanna do it here. Y'all come, bring streamers. It's gonna be a blast, amen? But all the funerals that I've done and all the funerals that I've been in, there has never been one that the most that is talked about is what somebody got. There's never been a funeral where people sat around and talked about how rich someone got. There's never been a funeral who talked about someone climbed the ladder. There's never been a funeral where people are celebrating that. What people celebrate at funerals is what they gave, who they invested in, how they spent their life for the sake of the gospel. And I just want to say to you that at the end of your life, I hope you end it spent for the sake of the gospel. I hope you end it spent and tired and worn out for the sake of laying your life down day in and day out for the cause and the mission of Jesus. That's what we're here for today. So we went to Panama City Beach, Florida. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's go. I love this. We had gone to so many different places for Awaken over the years, and we sat in this room. It was actually backstage, me and the college pastor from Fort Worth and Jimmy, and I just kind of like, hey, what about the spring break capital of the world, Panama City Beach, Florida? We could go out on the streets and just share the gospel with drunk people, and Jimmy was like, I like it. Y'all should do that, and the pastor from Fort Worth is like, sounds great, and then there we go. We just checked it off the box. We're going to Panama City Beach, Florida. And I had been to Panama City Beach, Florida before on multiple trips and outreaches like this, so I had a somewhat of a grid for what it would be like. Panama City Beach, Florida, over 500,000 and plus descend upon Panama City Beach, Florida from all around the world to do all the things that young people want to do on a spring break trip. And here comes our little group of 200 about to interrupt a lot of their lives. And so we go to Panama City Beach, Florida, and there was crazy things that happened, some amazing healings, some amazing salvation, some amazing returns to Jesus, prodigals who needed to be reminded that they were made for more than drinking and sleeping and doing all the things that they were doing. And so we had an amazing time. But the verse that that colored the trip or that gave us vision for the trip is a verse in Matthew 9, verse 36 through 38. This is when Jesus is walking with his disciples And he's walking around and he sees a crowd. And this is Jesus' thought when he sees the crowd. I want you to read this with me. This is verse 36 in Matthew chapter 9. It says this. When he, being Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Let me read it one more time. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus looks upon a crowd that is helpless and harassed, and his first response is compassion. Now, when I started thinking through this verse, it was a week or two before we left that I started thinking through this verse. And I thought, man, a lot of these people, I don't know if the word harassed or helpless makes sense, because these are people who are choosing to to go to Panama City Beach to party, to drink, to do all the things, to get wasted, to have fun, and and to do all that. And so they're choosing And I had this picture drop into my heart. And if you don't know what spring break looks like on the beach, there's big groups of people partying and going wild. Okay, not for Jesus, but going wild. And I imagined the devil literally walking around this group, whispering into people's ears, hey, keep drinking. Hey, keep smoking. See that guy? He's going to fulfill you. He's going to make you feel loved today. See that girl, she's gonna make you feel like a man today. So keep drinking, keep smoking, keep partying, keep going for it. And seeing the devil walking around these group of people that Jesus Christ loves and longs to rescue and harassing them and and they're helpless and they're just listening to the enemy's voice and saying, sure, I'll keep drinking. Sure, I'll keep partying. Sure, I'll keep doing it. And fast forward, I'll tell you where this ends up by the end of the night. I'm gonna give you a picture of that later. But they are harassed and helpless. But Jesus looks upon them with compassion. His heart is moved with compassion. I don't know about you, but my heart is often moved in judgment when I see this kind of chaos. I usually see people and I'm like, man, they crazy, not going that direction. Or I think, man, what did they do to get here? Like, clearly this is their fault. And I think about judgment. I get on Facebook, which is just at this point in life, we should just all stop getting on Facebook. Can I get an amen? But I get on Facebook sometimes and I'm like, judgment, 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 judgment as I scroll. And it's unfair because so many of our people and friends and family, they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Some of us respond in frustration. Some of us respond in isolation. You know, there's this like movement. I call it the little house on the prairie movement. It's where people are like, the world's so dark and so crazy. I'm going to buy 10 acres. I'm going to build a house in the middle of it. We're going to homeschool until you're 85 years old and you're never going to encounter anything bad in the world. It's like bubble boy Christianity. And so we isolate ourselves and say, we're, we're never gonna be a part of the world because the world's too dark, so let's just hide away. Let me tell you, this is not a time to hide away. This is not a time to be isolated. It's not a time to just shy away from what God is doing in the world. It's a time to train your children up and say, get on out there and share the gospel with your friends. You might not be good at soccer, but you can share the gospel. I'm just, hey, let me just say this. Three-year-old soccer is the worst thing on the planet. I almost lost my salvation every Saturday. I'd be in the back like, oh, God, this is horrible. My wife's like, calm down, you're embarrassing us. You're on staff at a church. I'm like, I don't care. He's hit it in the wrong goal 36 times. It's the worst. Let me just say this. It's not a time to isolate. It's a time to lean in. It's a time to lean in. I remember the first time that I was moved with compassion, when I saw a crowd that was helpless and harassed. I was on a trip to Haiti, and I've been to Haiti quite a few times, and let me just say this, Haiti is a beautiful, wonderful place, but it's the type of place where you get somber in the shade if you go in the summer. Like, it is slightly miserable, but God moves there. And I remember our team, it was like a group of seven of us, we are having these big conference uh, meetings at night where we're worshiping Jesus every night and preaching the gospel every night. And uh, we get a call from the pastor, it's middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, And he says, there's a line of 300 people outside the church who have every sickness you can possibly imagine. And they want your team of seven to come pray for them. And I'm like, okay, cool, no pressure. We'll be there right there. And so we walk over to this orphanage and I walk up and I see this crowd of 300 people at the door of this church. Every ailment you could think of, broken legs, broken backs, broken arms, every physical ailment within the body, every cancer, blind eyes, deaf ears, everything you can imagine. And I remember my heart beginning to break with compassion. And so we start to pray, and I don't know if you've ever prayed for 10, 15 people before, uh, but it gets tiring, all right? Like, like you get tired of praying, you get kind of worn out. But imagine praying for 300, all right? So I start praying for the first 100 people, and every prayer is like from God. You know, I'm like, shuck up, you know, praying, going for it, bringing heaven to earth, like asking them to be healed. In Jesus' name, I'm quoting scripture, I'm going for it. The second 100, I start getting generic, all right? I'm just going to be honest with you. You would do it too. I start getting generic. I'm like, God, your will be done. All right, you can move on. God, you're sovereign, you can move on, go ahead. God, you're good, heal them, amen, go on. And by the third hundred, I'm just kicking them as they walk by. Just like, just go, just go, I'm so tired. And I can remember someone gave me a word before I went on this trip and they gave me a word and they said, hey, I just feel like you're gonna pray for someone's eye. Someone's eye is going to get healed. And I remember thinking like, okay, do you need two eyes? And they were like, no, one eye. I was like, so you're telling me I'm looking for a pirate? And uh, they were like, I don't know, but it's just one eye. I said, all right, praise God. I'm going to be looking out. Amen. And so very last person in this line of 300 is this sweet little Haitian lady. She comes shuffling forward. She shuffles up to me and she looks normal. She doesn't look like she has any ailments at all. And I asked the translator what's wrong with her. And he said, she says something. He says back to me, she's been blind in her eye for 20 years. And I remember thinking, all right, God wants to do something here. I got this word from somebody else before this trip that God wanted to do something with an eye. Last person in the line that God has to be able to do something. I'm weak. I'm, I'm broke. I'm like, I ain't got no prayers left, but I muster up a prayer. I put my hand over her eye and I pray, Jesus, would you heal her? God, I, just, I have compassion for this lady. Would you heal her? And I say a great prayer and I take my hand off. Nothing happens. And so she looks around, she looks at the translator, she looks at me and she goes, you know, keep, keep praying, like I want to be healed today. Okay, all right. So I, I pray again and, and nothing happens. And she's like, pray again. So I pray again and nothing happens. And I had just started learning what healing looked like and whether God could heal or not. And I just started learning how to hear the voice of God and, and hearing the Holy Spirit. And I just started learning really this 1 Corinthians chapter 12-ish, these gifts. I started learning about them and I thought you know, maybe God would want to do something special here and speak to me. So the girl next to me, she goes, you know, we're keep praying, but why don't you just ask God? And I'm like, that's a novel idea. <laughs> and so I close my eyes and out loud, I say, God, would you just help me? What, what would you want to do here? And I immediately see a picture of me kissing this lady's eye. Okay. And out loud, I go, nope. <laughs> and the lady next to me goes, what did he say? I said, nothing what did God say? You have to do it. I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not telling you because if I tell you, I'm going to have to do it. I'm not doing it this morning. So she says, tell me what, and I said, God, just show me a picture of me kissing her eye. And she goes, well, you got to do it. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. And so I'm battling on the inside of myself. I'm like, I got to kiss this lady's eye. Maybe, right? Like at this point, you know, she's going to walk away healed or not healed either way. Like she's going to not remember me either way. And so I tell the translator, I'm like, hey, this is weird. Get me. I don't do this. This is not my ministry. Um, Will you ask her, just ask her if she would mind if I kissed her eye? And so he tells her and she's looking up at him and she looks at me and goes, like this. (laughs) Sure. So this is where it gets awkward because I'm like, I don't know if this is like first date kiss or like, do I need to like put my arm around her or like pick her up or throw her over my shoulder? I don't know what's happening. And so I just, I'm like, what do I do here? And again, I'm just stepping out in faith. This is not something that I regularly do. Also, college students, as you learn to hear God, Okay, I'm not setting precedent for you, all right? <laughs> God just told me to kiss you, all right? No, don't do that. <laughs> Stop it. That's not what I'm saying. And so I, I just like, I'm like i like, all right, is this like 90-10 rule? I lean in, and I grab her face. I don't even know what to do. I just grab her face, and I kiss her eye. Just peck. Just, I kiss her eye. And I, I immediately put my hand over her eye, and I say, God, I hope that worked. <laughs> And I stay there for a couple of seconds. Jesus, please tell me I didn't just do that for no reason. And I take my hand off of her eye. And immediately this lady starts to pick at her eye. And she starts to open her eye. And she starts to go like this. And tears start to flow down her face. And she starts to weep. And she starts to scream. And she's screaming this phrase over and over again. And she starts to run around in circles screaming this phrase. And then the translator's crying. And he's just like laughing in the spirit, crying. And I'm like, what happened? And she's like, she just got healed. She's screaming that she can see finally. It's wild, this craziness, this craziness. It's moved in compassion in this beautiful, beautiful story. I want to tell you that God still heals. And what he wants to do is he wants to use unqualified people to do it. Let me just tell you now, you're not too old to pray for the sick. You're not too young to pray for the sick. You're not too far gone to pray for the sick. God wants to use you right now to do the miraculous in his church and out on the streets. This is how the verse continues. Matthew 9, verse 37 through 38. It says, Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. This first line. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. This line should break your heart. Basically what Jesus is saying, He's saying there's a lot more people that need to hear Jesus than there are that are willing to share Jesus. There's a lot more people in the world that are broken and need to hear the love of God and be transformed by the love of God the way that you and I have, but yet there's so few people that are willing to do it. You know, we walk around and we have the answer to life and we have the gift of salvation and the gift of God and he's healed us and moved in us and then we go to our workplaces and we sit in our cubicle and we don't say anything. We go out to eat and our waitress comes by and in fact, we're we're just mad that she brought you unsweet tea instead of sweet tea and therefore you don't say anything. Jesus is looking at the harvest and saying, there's plenty to be done. There's just few people that really wanna go do it. Now his response is interesting because if you're anything like me, I'm like, okay, there's lost people. Let's go get them. Jesus doesn't look at them and say, "There's, there's few people that are willing to share the gospel. Therefore, come on, get up, get stronger and go out and do it. He says this. He says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus says, pray Now, I love this because Jesus knows something special about prayer. Jesus knows that if he can get you to pray, he can get you close. And if he can get you close, then he can change your heart. And if he can change your heart, then you begin to love what he loves and you begin to like what he likes and you begin to do what he wants you to do instead of living your own life. Prayer is the key to falling in love with Jesus and doing what he wants you to do. Prayer is not just our list in the morning of like, God, would you keep me safe? God, would you do this? God, would you do that? Prayer is the Lord. What would you have me do? What would you do in me that I could be a witness to the rest of the world? Listen, this word that God has given us to ignite our families and ignite our, our workplaces and ignite our life groups and to ignite the boiler room. Yes, it is. It's centered around prayer and worship. Yes, it is. God, would you give us more for us? But it is also God, would you give us more for them? God is longing to create revival. He's longing to do mighty and wonderful things in and through us. And when I think about the New Testament, the gospel was always shared. When I think about the book of Acts, it was always they would get together, God would fall, they would get all the gifts, and then they would fall into the streets and they would share the gospel. Thousands were added to their number daily. Day by day, they were adding people. It's not just for the church's entertainment. It's for the church's growth. It's for the church's growth. God knows that if he can get you close he can get a hold of your heart and change it. And I want to say this, God is not a- after us just doing stuff for him, right? Like the reason why God asks you to pray is because he knows that prayer is the door to affection. Prayer is the door to your affection for him and his affection for you, that if he can get you to pray, you can fall in love with him. And it's easier to do something for somebody you love than somebody you don't. Can I get an Amen. Amen. It's easy for me to do something for my wife, but if somebody else asked me to do the same exact thing, and I'm like, "Ah, I don't even know if I like you, much less love you. Like, I don't know if I want to do that. It's easy to do something for somebody that you love and somebody that you trust. And so God wants you to pray so that he can draw you in, capture your affections, speak truth over you, and then send you out into the world to do what he's after. Do what he wants. In verse eight of Acts chapter one, Jesus says this. He says, go and wait. This is reminiscent of, he says, therefore, pray earnestly. And then his disciples, they've, they've been with Jesus for three years and they don't know what to do. And he says, go and wait. He doesn't say, now get out there and get it done. He says, go and wait. And he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem in all Judea in Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says, go and wait for power. I don't know about you, but I know for my life, if I am not walking in the power of the Spirit, by noon, I'm a wreck. By noon, I'm a selfish mess. And if my wife was bolder, she'd be saying amen right now. By noon, I'm a mess if I'm not walking in the power of the Spirit. The reason why Jesus said, go and wait for power is because he knew if you didn't have power, you wouldn't do it. He knew that if you didn't have something in you, the Holy Spirit in you and on you, leading you and drawing you and, and convicting you to get out there and share the gospel, that you wouldn't. I mean, think about the past six months of your life. This is not a condemning statement because I'm in the same boat as all of us. Think about the last six months of your life. was the last time that you shared the gospel? was the last time that you turned to somebody and said, you were made for more? Was the last time you saw somebody and said, God, Lord, the Lord wants to move in your life, and, and I want to walk with you through that? When's the last time you just said, do you know who Jesus is? And I hope that the Holy Spirit in you is, is convicting you, not condemning you, because I'm the same. I'm terrible at this. I'm the worst at this. If I'm walking in my own flesh, it is not a desire in my heart to share the gospel. I'd rather just put my AirPods in and just go through life and try to make it. But God has made you for more than that. He says, go and wait, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness. The Lord wants to give you more power to be his witness. The Lord wants to give you more power to be able to share the gospel. I wanna recap this story, it's in Acts chapter 4. And it's this beautiful story of Peter and John. And Peter and John, it says that they're going to the temple and they run into a man at the, at the gate of the temple and the man's asking for money and they don't have any money, but they say, hey, what we do have, we'll give to you. And Peter pulls him up and his legs are completely healed and this wild and crazy miracle. And the religious leaders at the time, they think, well, listen, these guys are too powerful. We've got to put them in their place. Let's arrest them, threaten them and make sure they don't speak on Jesus's name anymore. So they arrest Paul and Peter, and they come before the religious leaders, just like this room here, and they ask them, they say, what power did you heal this man? By what name and what power did you heal this man? And they say, hey, if you're asking by whom and what name, we did it by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, by which the only name under heaven and earth in which we can all be saved, we did it in his name. And they come back together and they go, okay, these guys aren't playing around. They're pretty wise. We don't know what to do with them. So let's just threaten them. Let's just tell them that if they do it again, we're gonna beat them, possibly kill them. They, they would probably point to Jesus and say, remember what happened to Jesus? We're gonna do that to you. Make sure you don't speak on Jesus's name anymore. And they come back and they threaten them. And then Peter has this beautiful statement. And he says, listen, you tell me whether it's right, whether I listen to you or whether I listen to God. You tell me whether it's right, whether I do what you're asking me to do or what I do, what God is asking me to do. And then he says, because I can't help but speak about what I've seen and what I've heard. He's standing in the face of death and he's saying, listen, I get that you're telling me that you're gonna kill me if I keep sharing, but what I'm telling you is God's asked me to keep sharing and I can't help it. Uh Many of us in this room, you're like, I can't help but not share. Like, Like I wanna be able to be there and the difference between you not being able to help sharing is a new power of the Holy Spirit coming upon your life and convincing you, hey, this life is not about you and your retirement. It's about my mission and my plan for the world. And so he wants to empower you again. Then this prayer is what they pray. This is Acts 4, 29 through 31. Peter and them, they come into the room with all of their friends and this is what they do. It says this, they they pray this prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. I love this. He doesn't say, now, Lord, make sure you keep us safe. Now, Lord, make sure you keep us from death. Now, Lord, keep us from harm's way. Lord, would you just give us a little church building so we could do a little church thing? No, he says, Lord, would you continue to give us boldness? Yeah. And it says this in verse 30, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through, your na- through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And then verse 31, this is a quick answer to prayer. And when they had prayed, the place, was, the place they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Listen, guys, you need boldness. I need boldness because there's a mission at hand and God longs to save the lost. There's this move of God around the world. There's all kinds of different veins and there's people who are longing for the return of Jesus. And I just wanna tell you that if you're longing for the return of Jesus, if you've thought this thought, the world is so bad, Jesus needs to come back right now. Let me just tell you, you cannot long for the returning of Jesus and not share the gospel. Like they they go hand in hand. Jesus says, I will return when every tribe and every tongue has heard my name. So you can't say, Jesus, come back. The world's so terrible and not share the gospel. You have to say, Jesus, come back. I'm going to be a part of you coming back by sharing the gospel to those who are lost, by going to the nations, by going to the unreached, by doing what he's called you to do. Man, on our trip, God did incredible, wild things, beautiful things that inspire me, that get my heart racing. And one of these stories, every day we would have these sessions where we would come together and we would pray and we would seek God and we would uh, gather around his word and we would worship together. And it was so rich and so filled with the movement of the Holy Spirit, people being prayed for, people receiving gifts from God, people receiving words from God. And it was wonderful. Y'all agree? Wonderful. We had such a good time and And we would get together and then God would would speak something over us or speak something in us and then we would go out for outreach. And it was so easy. It was so easy to say, here's what God's doing right now because this is what God is doing. This is what God said to me this morning or what God did. And one of our awesome students, Kai, is, is incredible. There she is. I mean, Kai, uh, she gets up on stage she's like, I have every like, thing wrong with me in the world, but my ear was hurting and uh, it was just bothering her. And so her ear has been in pain and she hadn't been able to hear out of it. i might get some of these details wrong, but, and she hadn't been able to hear out of her ear for months. And so in one of our prayer sessions, people come and they pray for her and they begin to pray over her ear and the pain begins to go away and then it goes away completely and then she begins to hear out of her ear for the first time in months. Now, yeah, come on, Jonathan, let's go. And there's this beautiful miracle taking place. But what I love about it is that Kai didn't say, what a cool miracle. I'm going to post about it on Instagram and not do anything with it. She said, what a cool miracle. And then we go out that evening or during that day and she runs into a cash, a guy at a cash register who basically has, has hip pain and he's going to have to have hip place replacement surgery or hip surgery. And so somehow they get on this topic and he says, yeah, I've got severe pain in my hip. And she perks up, right? Cause she even heard him with her ear that had just, previously been healed. She hears that. Whoa. Okay. Something's up here. And they begin to pray for this man. And over a couple minutes of praying for this man, all the pain in his hips that he's about to have surgery on goes away. It's beautiful. Then they come back for prayer night and there's multiple people that come and Kai gets to pray for multiple people and Phoenix's shoulders get healed by Kai's prayer and by the Lord moving. And so there's this like snowball of God, snowball of God moving. And so what I want to say to you is that when you came in here today, you might have thought, I'm coming in because I'm broke and I'm lost and I need something. And let me just tell you that Jesus sees you, he loves you, and he longs to draw you into his family and to speak a word over your life that's going to change you, that's going to get you free from your addiction, that's going to get you free from your brokenness. He longs to do that this morning. And then he longs to heal you and give you hope so that you can go to your friends who are still struggling with the same things and speak the same truth to them. Man, one of our... One of our guys that we met on the street. There's this is beautiful story of a guy named JR. And, and JR, JR became like our mascot for the week. You know, it's just like, it's like the poster child for Awaken, you know? And, uh, and so we get off the bus, very first night, we get off the bus. And, you know, to be honest, as the leader of this trip, as the person who chose what location we're going to, this is first night outreach. In the back of my mind, I'm like, Lord, don't let this fail. Lord, don't let, it, like, don't let it be on me. And if it is, I'm gonna blame it on the Fort Worth guy who's here, all right? And I'm just like, Lord Jesus, let it be fruitful. Let it be fun. Let, it, let us get out of this bus and see amazing things happen. And we get off the bus and the minute I step foot off of the bus, this big guy with his shirt cut off, sunburnt, got pit viper sunglasses on, walks up and he's like, bro, I wanna give you a hug. And I'm like, get over here then give me a hug bro and I give this dude a big hug and he is wasted and we sit there and I'm like dude and he's like what are y'all doing here what's this bus is this a party bus I said it is a party bus but not the kind of party you're thinking of and I begin to speak to this guy and I'm like man dude here's the thing we're here to share the love of Jesus which is way better of a party than what you're enjoying right now and he's like oh I love that bro can I just give you another hug I said come on give me a hug 13 hugs later I'm finally free to walk away we pray for these guys and uh, they're very affectionate you know. And we walk across the street. We're 15 minutes into outreach and I've got a little crew with me and I walk across the street. We're handed out water bottles to drunk people and they're stumbling. Hey, hey do you want a water? They're like, why would you do this for us? <laughs> well, one, because Jesus loves you. Two, because we don't want you to have a terrible hangover tomorrow, Amen. So we're giving out water bottles, and two guys come walking down the street, and I just engage them. Hey, you guys want some water? Yes, they turn. Our group's kind of open to them. And I say to them, I'm like, hey, we just want you to know that we're out praying for people, encouraging people, want people to get home safe tonight. Is there anything that we could pray for you guys about? And one guy just goes, nope. And I'm like, all right, he's not going to be super open to this. And the other guy says, who is JR, he says, man, I would have to take an hour of your time in order to tell you all the things I need prayer for. And that response immediately perked our heart, like he's open. And so I said, well, dude, tell us what you mean. We don't have one hour, we got three hours. We'll sit with you all night long. And he says, listen, or, and this is a, a key part of the story. That morning, Jimmy was with us and he taught on the father heart of God. And he taught about how God, our father, longs to be in a relationship with us as his children. And whenever, that's so that's in the backdrop of our hearts. And so I say to Jr. I say, dude, why do you need prayer? Like, what's going on? And he just says, he looks at the ground, he goes, I just feel like I've been a really terrible son. And at this point, we're like, okay, God's moving right here, right now. And I said, tell me what you mean. He says, three months ago, I left my home and I just left kind of on a binger, like left uh, broken relationships with my parents, broken relationships with my family, and I've been running ever since. And I just feel like I've been a terrible son and I don't know how to fix it. And so immediately I'm perked up to the story of the prodigal son, and I say to JR, I'm like, hey, do you know much about the Bible? And he says, no, but I wish I did. I said, there's a story in the Bible of two sons and a father. And one son's the good son, and uh, the other guy goes, yeah, I've got a brother like that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and the other son comes to his father, and he says, Dad, I, I honestly wish you were dead. I'd rather have your money. I'd rather have my inheritance now so that I can go party it away. And his dad, being loving and kind, says, Here, take some of your inheritance. And the son goes to the metropolitan area, goes to the big city, goes to Panama City Beach, wastes his money on drugs and prostitutes and all the things imaginable. And he finds himself lost and broken. And as I start to share this story, JR starts to break down, and his eyes start to water, and his eyes start to drip tears. And I said, JR, the reason why you're feeling that is because this is exactly where you are, and he says, yep, that's exactly where I am. So I continue to share the story. I said, he finds himself in the pit with pigs, eating pigs' food. He's so lost. He's so broken. He's so depressed. He's so far away from his family. And in this moment, he looks up and he thinks, man, what am I doing with my life? I need to go back to my father's house. Maybe he'll just make me a servant. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll accept me back. And as I start to describe to JR the walk back home for this man who had been lost in sin, he starts to break down even more. And I said, imagine this long driveway and the father steps out on his porch and he's been praying for his son all morning that he'd come home and he looks and he sees his son coming over the horizon. And I said, what you'd expect his father to do is go in the house and lock the door. But instead it says he takes off down his porch and he begins running down the road to capture his son again, to hold his son again. And they meet and they hug and they love on each other. And he says, welcome home, my son. And he brings him into the house and he throws him a party and he, he makes this beautiful meal for him. And J.R. just starts to weep and he holds his sweater over his face and begins to sob. And you can see him sobbing. I said, J.R., that's what God wants to do for you. He wants to bring you back home. And he wants to restore your relationship with Jesus. And so I asked him, I said, JR, have you ever accepted Jesus as your Savior? And he goes, Yes, I've prayed the prayer. I just can't get free from sin. I said, JR, tonight's your night to get free from sin. You did not run into us on accident. God has a plan for your life. So I look at him, and and this is just a bold statement. He could go anywhere from this point. And I said, JR, would you, what are you doing the rest of the night? And he says, I don't know. I said, Why don't you just walk around with us? We have. Three and a half more hours of outreach, and I'm like, "Why don't you just come with us?" And he's like, "Y'all'd let me come with you?" I'm like, "Absolutely." So Jr. hops on the boat, and we start sharing the gospel with Jr. in tow. And we're walking around sharing the gospel, even to the point where I'm kind of watching JR, and we're praying for people, and he's got like one eye open, and he's like, you know, watching us, like, what do I do here, like, trying to help pray, and it's this beautiful thing. And we stand in front of this club, and at this club, I'm I'm telling you, all sorts of chaos. People being dragged out of the club, drunk, being put on the ground, ambulances coming, people getting into fights, like all the chaos. And we're standing there in the middle of it, sharing the gospel with people, praying for people, and JR is right here behind me. I I turned around, I said, JR, you see what I see? And he says, yeah. And he starts to cry. I said, this is not your life, bro. This is not what you're made for. This is not who God wants you to be. And God's rescuing you tonight. Man, fast forward a couple minutes. He, uh, he says, he spent three hours with us. This is how kind he is. He, he's so tired that he goes, hey guys, am I allowed to go home and go to sleep? <laughs> I'm like, bro, we didn't capture you, all right? <laughs> you're free to go home. But before he goes home, I said, J.R., have you ever been baptized? And he says, no, I've never been baptized. And I said, listen, God wants to mark this trip by baptizing you. And he says he's leaving tomorrow at 4 o'clock. I said, listen, tomorrow at noon, would you come to our, our cottages? Would you come over and we can baptize you in the beach or the ocean? He says, I'll be there. Now the crazy part about this story is that this kind of stuff happens occasionally while you're doing outreach with people who have been drinking. And then the next morning when you call them, they don't answer. But we call Jr. The, ne- the next morning and he's pumped, he's jazzed, he's like, dude, what time am I gonna be there? I wanna be baptized today. And so I tell him what time and Jr. shows up with all of his friends and we baptize him in the pool. Here's a video of that. And no matter what you do in life, no matter how far you stray, He will never leave you or forsake you. He's with you. And if this isn't proof that he's with you, I don't know what will be because this is it. So, man, I just want to open it up. If you want to say anything at all to the camera, to us, you don't have to, but if you want to. I just appreciate everybody being here. It means a lot to me. Come on. Well, bro, man, this is your public declaration of saying, I want to follow Jesus with the rest of my life. There's nothing special about this chlorinated water. What's special is the Holy Spirit. What's special is Jesus. And he's already washed you clean. He's already made you new. But this baptism is you saying to this crowd and to the world, I'm ready to live right. I'm ready to follow him with everything I have. So, it's my pleasure to baptize you, my brother. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ. Resurrected with Christ. So beautiful, and uh, it brings tears to my eyes. Because here's the thing, and I want you to hear me loud and clear this morning: is that there are JRs all around you. I'm gonna hold it together. There are JRs all around you, and the reason why I cry is because I used to be a JR. You used to be a JR. And somewhere along the road, we turned inward. Somewhere along the road, we forgot that God wanted to do the same thing for our friends, for our neighbors, for our family. So my heart is that God would move in incredible ways in this building, but that that would move us to to the streets of this city that that would move us to our neighborhoods and to our workplaces and to our families, because there are people in desperate need of rescuing. So this morning, whoo, get it together, Austin. This morning we're gonna respond in a couple different ways. If you're in the room this morning and you think, I'm JR, I prayed the prayer, I can't get free, I need God to move in my life, we want you to come forward and receive prayer. And as our ministry team comes forward, and comes to the front, I also wanna invite you forward. If you're thinking, man, I just need boldness again to share the gospel. I need boldness again to be reminded that my life is not just about me, but it's about what God wants to do in and through me. Then I want you to come forward. And I also would just love that if you are here today and you know of people who are JRs and you know of people who need to be saved, then a beautiful response would be to get into groups of twos and threes and just say, here's my JR. It's my aunt or my uncle or my friend or my coworker and begin to pray for their salvation, begin to pray that God would move, begin to pray that God would draw, begin to pray that God would baptize and refresh. So I'm going to pray and when I say amen, if you're in here and you're the JR or you're in here and you just need boldness to preach the gospel again and to make your life a living sacrifice, we want you to move and come forward. And I also just wanna make sure that if you're in here and you have sickness in your body, if there's any reason at all that you need prayer, you're welcome to come forward. So Jesus, oh, we thank you for your sweet presence here. We thank you for all that you're doing in this room. We thank you for all that you did on Awaken. God, we thank you that no one is too young and too old. This wasn't just college students with zeal going to do your work. It's it's all of us who are willing, you'll empower. All of us who are willing to lay our lives down, you'll empower and give us grace to continue to share. Lord, so let us be a living sacrifice. Lord, we love you. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are welcome to move.